running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. All right, Running Up the Score virtual style. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. Oh, yeah. He's Kevin I'm Donlin. I'm Kevin. Here we go. We're going to get into, uh, you know, we're in week two now. Uh, officially, as of Thursday night, Chargers and Chiefs. That was a, a really good game. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to get into what we learned in week one first. And... The key, uh, I'm, I don't want to say the key word for week one, but it was somewhat a big part of week one was the injuries. Injuries played a huge role in week one and none bigger than the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott. He uh, broke, he fractured something in his hand, needed surgery. He's got screws, plates, all that in his hand. Word at first was six to eight weeks. Now it's back. Now it's down to four to six weeks. But I mean, I guess the the real question is, what does this do for the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, how much does this play a huge role in them being able to make the playoffs? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think it comes down to uh, you know the resilience of the Dallas Cowboys. They still have a really good defense. Uh, Cooper Rush did not play that bad. In the few starts he had even last year, uh, I think Dallas could, you know, shock a couple of people here. Um, that division continues to not be too much of a threat outside the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's definitely uh, up in the air now with Dak being out. But obviously Dallas has got to fix the uh, problems with the offensive line. I know they're dealing with injuries, but they have to figure out a place to just get around an ineffective offensive line. Because as you could tell, uh, Elliott and Pollard um, – you know, just not effective in the running game. And if you're not going to have a running game in this league, you're you're not moving the football. Yeah, well, I put out on, on Instagram, um, I think it was Tuesday, or, or it might even been Monday night, um, just my initial feeling on, you know, what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys. Because even before Dak got hurt, they looked horrible. Their offensive, you know, the offensive line, uh, the wide receivers, everybody looked bad. Dak wasn't throwing the ball well. I think the only bright spot of the Dallas Cowboys offense, and they kept moving away from it, which pissed me off, uh, but was running the ball with Zeke. Zeke looked good in that game, and I don't know why they kept, you know, spreading themselves from that. And, I mean, to have only, I think he only had 12 carries in the game. It's not it's not going to bode well, especially now with, without Dak. But just the fact that everything, you know, Everything leading up to that moment was a nightmare for the Dallas Cowboys, and they created it themselves, and that's my issue with it. You know, the offensive line issues. You, Tyron Smith has been hurt the last three or four years, okay? Every single year he hasn't finished a full season. So the fact that they went out, they drafted Tyler Smith, that's great. But then you don't have any help on the like in the guard position either behind Zach Martin. Because then the one guy that you had, Connor McGovern, he gets hurt in the game because now he has to start because Tyler Smith has to move over to tackle. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's just the depth was not there. They started the season with one quarterback on the roster, and that was Dak Prescott. 
and they had to bring Cooper Rush off of the, the practice squad. They had three guys going behind Dak into this season that all three get cut. Two of them get to the practice squad. And, I, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. You need a formidable backup, and we talked about it last week. We talked about it with, with you know, the 49ers. We talked about it with the Jets. You need that formidable backup quarterback for cases like this. I mean, the, the Cowboys were lucky last year that it was only one game that Dak was out, and Cooper Rush actually pulled off a miracle. I don't know how he did it. But right now, going into this next game, he doesn't have Amari Cooper out there. It's only CeeDee Lamb. So it, it's it's going to be tough. And they're going to have to really lean on Zeke. And that, that offensive line is going to have to really, you know, block. And especially going up against the, the Cincinnati Bengals defense, the best part of their defense is their front line. So that's, that's where it's going to get a little dicey for the Dallas Cowboys. And they better mm-hmm. hope that they put the pressure that they can on Joe Burrow and hopefully, you know, force a couple of those – those interceptions like he had uh, in week one. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Dallas's defense could keep them in this game a little bit, but uh, when push comes to shove, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow will be able to do uh, a little bit more in this game. And you know, obviously Cincinnati needing the win desperately as much as Dallas does, it's going to be uh, one hell of a game, but uh, I have to lean the Bengals on that one. Uh, we, you know, we go from obviously losing starters on the offensive line to losing starters other ways than injuries and that's uh via trade and Devonte adams with aaron Rodgers right now it was, clearly struggling without it was, uh, it was obvi- rough. obviously it was it was brutal to watch because the one hard part about that game was that you know there's no doubt that dallas i mean uh green bay was able to uh run the football yeah and when you're able to run the ball effectively and you still can't pass the ball around it's an alarming situation uh, and I mean, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you still can't throw the ball, it, that that's an issue. I mean, he had earlier in the game, he had a, a like a seventy-yard touchdown pass that was literally dropped by his wide receiver. Yeah, it's and the I rookie third-rounder Watson who didn't play a single uh, moment of training camp. Yeah. Now you got guys in your team that are not up to game speed. Obviously, he beat the defense. Yeah, but this kid hasn't been practicing. And then all of a sudden you got him out there doing, you know, running 75-yard routes. Yeah. I put that more on the coaching staff. Obviously, this kid wasn't ready to get back out there yet. Uh, he missed a lot of time. And if you're going to miss a lot of time, especially as a wide receiver where, you know, uh, game speed and getting your legs underneath you being so important, you know, and then obviously the focus of catching the football. And, you know, for Green Bay, the struggle was real. Uh, Minnesota played well. I'm not going to downgrade how well their defense played in that game. They played very well. The front line was very good. They really do have a solid front seven there in Minnesota. They are the clear-cut favorite at this point now to win that division. So it's a bad loss for Green Bay, but it's an impressive win for the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers got to find a way to clean this up. But, you know, we go from one former division winner to the rest of them in this league, yeah, yeah. aside from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's because each and every one of them failed to get a win, Yeah, which is unheard of. It was a crazy week one in the NFL this year. Yeah, I, I mean, going into that Sunday night game, it was whoever wins that game is the only division winner to win in week one. Week one was a very – and you know what? It's 
It's the same every year. And it was a perfect example because, what was it, last week or the week before when we were talking about betting, uh, you specifically came out and said, don't bet week one because it is the hardest week to bet. And, I mean, it's it's the truth. Look at what happened. I mean, I was in a survivor pool, and I told you off air, I was in a survivor pool with, like, 25 guys. Three of us were left in week one. Three. I had four picks with four different teams. Yeah. And I'm not even focused on the pick this week <laughs> because I'm out of them. Yeah. So oh, after it's... winning it last year, I am officially out after week one week with four picks yeah. and losing on four different teams. Obviously, I didn't go against the New York Jets, which was my formula last year to winning it, and I probably should have listened to it going into week one of this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it just – it was a, it's a very weird week. I mean, we went into it just – you never know in week one. It's always, you know, on paper, this team looks great. On paper, this team looks like crap. But when it comes down to it, you have to play on the field, and that's what ended up happening, and it just – it wasn't a good week uh, for anybody betting. I, I mean, some people bet well, if you know, you, you know – not that if you know what you're doing, but just if you're if you're lucky because it was a terrible week to bet and it just it you know it was just a hard <laughs> it's a hard one to pick and yeah it was a uh, it was pretty brutal just like I advertised and basically if you want to go buy our picks you might as well fade our picks uh so when we put our pick, picks up for Sunday fade our picks and you might win I, I mean I haven't even really That's checked I, I haven't checked our record uh from this past week but I don't think it was good because my three picks I think won one so it's uh it was a, it was a tough week for for betting and I mean that's why I don't get paid to do it so fade my picks if if that's if that's what you want to do I by all means I am not offended by you fading my picks um, so you know going on to it it was it was just funny because it, this kind of goes hand in hand with the Thursday night game. You know, we we've been talking about obviously because you know, we talk about the the hobby and the way that the hobby hype is and you know, you look at a lot of people going into the hobby or that aren't part of it. They think it's absolutely insane to see these rookie quarterbacks, you know, going for higher prices than some of these veterans that you know, are great basically. Like a like a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Like, why is his, uh, you know, his hype down? And to be honest with you, I really don't know why. I really don't know why. And and I'm guessing if that's, I'll guess and say that it's because he lost Tyreek Hill and they thought that was going to be a difference. Patrick Mahomes week one said, "Nah, that ain't no difference. I don't need Tyreek Hill." All I need is Travis Kelsey, and I tell you, I'll put up 40 points. And that's what he did week one. And then going into Thursday night, then he was like, all right, well, you think that Justin Herbert should have more hype than me? Nah, it's not going to happen. I'm going to go out and win a game. And that's what he did. Thursday night football, We we were look, that was, it was very highly, I mean, to have it in week two was so highly anticipated to have Herbert, and Mahomes going at it, the Chargers, the Chiefs, 
two of the probably the better teams, if not the best teams in the in the league, very early. I mean, we'll we'll get into our overreactions, but very early. I mean, you look at those two teams. Those two teams are definitely teams that could be on track for a collision course in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think Amazon knew what they were doing with them premiering with that game. Uh, game definitely didn't go as expected. I thought there would be more scoring in that one, but the Chargers defense is for real. The Chiefs defense continues to be effective. These are two very, very good teams. So it was very entertaining to watch. Uh, but obviously, Justin Herbert uh, with a miscommunication on uh, a red zone attempt, which he doesn't have many of those. And obviously, a, a tired tight end, clearly. And it led to a, uh, you know, it led to a, obviously a pick six, a very important pick six, and uh, definitely uh, a big factor in determining the winner of the game. So we get into some overreactions, okay? Uh, after week one, you know, obviously we're part, you know, we're technically in week two now uh, because this is Saturday morning, uh, Saturday afternoon, actually. Uh, so here's some here's some overreactions that I that I've gotten from uh, SportingNews.com. Uh, the first one that they went with: Trey Lance is a bust, and the 49ers need to bench him for Jimmy G. What do you think about that overreaction? I think that was a very big overreaction because you can't go and say, "All right, Trey Lance is a bust." Because d- uh, did anybody see the weather conditions of that game? I mean, no, obviously, you barely could even see the game on TV, let alone you know Trey Lance actually being able to throw the ball. So it was it was just a a sloppy game. That's a game that if the Bears were able to play in that condition for the whole season, they might have a good record. <laughs> no, hundred percent. They, uh, you know, I give credit for the Bears in that one. I think that was one that uh, nobody, everybody wrote them off in that one, and you know they kept kept at it you know they were uh, down multiple scores in that game and just kept fighting Jim you know Justin Fields to give a lot of credit to uh this is someone I was actually downgrading with those rookie quarterbacks um he was probably my lowest of all of them including Davis Mills uh, but he has proven me wrong uh that, that was a great outing by him uh that San Fran defense is no joke yeah and uh that the weather conditions were no joke as well so as much as you want to use the weather conditions as an excuse for Trey Lance it you know it was obviously uh, more of a credit to Justin Fields to be able to uh, perform like that under those circumstances. But obviously, um, from Trey Lance's perspective, your first start and having conditions like that, it's not uh, ideal. And unfortunately, I think uh, it was just a little too much for him to handle in the very going. But I think this is a, a learning curve for him, and you just move on from here. But it's definitely uh, way too soon to uh, write him off. Yeah, and you know, losing Elijah Mitchell mid-game as well didn't help. Uh, and we'll get into that when it comes to fantasy and uh, hobby talk. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that was one. Here we go for another one. Their their next one was Aaron Rodgers can't save these Packers with another MVP w- uh, run. So this one I kind of agree with. I, I think overall this team, this offense, they're um, underwhelming. You know, and I, I don't know if... Rodgers is going to be able to to have an MVP run, you know, because there's not that one guy on this team that you're going to be like, all right, I can just stick with this whole time. Because even 
even his tight ends, they're okay. It's not like anything great. He just doesn't have, and I, you know, Devontae Adams, I, you could say is the best wide receiver in the league. You know, so not having him, no matter what, if the team was, you know, if the defense was bad or they were down a lot, like he could always go to Devontae Adams, boom, 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 and get down the field. And he just doesn't have that. I mean, you have a guy like, um, Randall Cobb, who's old. You got a guy like Romeo Dubes, who's young. You have Christian Watson, who really didn't play much. Sammy Watkins, old as well. You know, it's it's a very uh, up-and-down team, and you don't know where the, the next guy is going to be able to step up for the Packers. Like, who's that guy going to be? And do we think that Aaron Rodgers could actually save this team? I think if someone steps up, and starts playing well uh, at the wide receiver position, I think possibly. But, you know, it's – I mean, it is Aaron Rodgers, so we can't really, you know, be too – I'm not writing off this offense at all. I think it's one of those where I saw them running the ball really effectively. Uh, I feel like this game was more on their defense, which has been highly regarded yeah. coming into the season. They have a lot of guys returning and not a lot of holes on that defense, but I saw plenty of room – between Justin Jefferson and anybody in that secondary. And that's a lot of credit to Justin Jefferson, but that's also, you know, we're talking this guy's 25 yards downfield and there's no pass rush. So yeah. I, I kind of fault Green Bay's defense more for that week one loss because I thought they ran the ball well. They obviously weren't able to finish some drives and it obviously cost them the game. So the offense is definitely uh, not fault free here, but uh, the defense definitely uh, gave up some pretty big plays primarily to uh, Justin Jefferson and, Green Bay just couldn't keep up. You're not really trying to rush your offense at any point in the NFL. I think any offensive coordinator will explain that to you. You do not want to be in a hurry-up mode because that's where mistakes happen. Mistakes did happen, and Green Bay definitely couldn't look back from that. But I definitely don't write this team off. Uh, who are they playing week two? Uh, we had The Packers are playing the Bears in week two. Yeah, so, so that's a game of bounce back possibility for them. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, lean the Packers on that one. They still have that defense. They still have that running game. Chicago uh, played a great game week one. Obviously, they want to you know build off the momentum there. It should be a good one, but uh, I'm going to lean Green Bay on that one, and I definitely don't see them slowing. It's yeah. Sunday night, too, that game. Um, so the next overreaction, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense are better without Tyreek Hill. I don't know about better, but they're just – maybe they're not as explosive, but they're still a great offense. That's how I'll put it. They're steady, yes. and they're able to you know, make first downs. Guys are uh, stepping up. Guys that we had forgotten about in this league, yeah. uh, guys like Jarek McKinnon, uh, Clyde like, Edwards-Hilaire, like. who, who I saw dropping in drafts as well. They kind of have a nice solid one-two punch, and it's good to have a one-two like that. That's how you keep your backs healthy. What about Juju? And, and you Juju's know, Juju obviously had quite a game, but he's just he's another asset and yeah. in, in a group of assets, but uh, – you know, for fantasy purposes, I'll stick by what I said. I wasn't really a fan of any uh, pass catchers in this offense, just uh, primarily Patrick Mahomes because of how well he could spread it. This is a little bit crazy. The Patriots won't <coughs> ever give Bill Belichick another playoff team. I know you're down on the Patriots' offense, but, I mean, to say won't ever give Bill Belichick a, a playoff team, that's, that's, you know, that's a little crazy. I mean, we're talking about the best yeah. head coach in the league. 
And we're also talking about a gentleman who's been coaching and doing it for a very long time. So, you know, I think the years are limited with him. So I guess that statement is technically correct on the standpoint of uh, the amount of limited seasons. I really wouldn't be shocked if this guy retired as soon as next year. So it's, uh, you know, he's had a great success, you know, but everyone needs to be a family man at some point in their lives. And, uh, you know, Belichick's had an incredible run and he's definitely known as the best coach, one of the smartest men in the NFL has ever seen let alone, you know, just for his era. Uh, Joe, so, oh, my apologies. Yeah, no, you go. go. No, I'm good. That's pretty much the end of it there. Yeah. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are headed towards a Super Bowl hangover. Well, you called it. I mean, you're, that was your... Uh, that was. You know, bold prediction was that they wouldn't make the playoffs this year. And, you know, by the way, their defense was looking the other day. I mean, that's not an offense... In Pittsburgh, that's too intimidating. And, you know, the defense played primarily pretty good. It was that offense that put them in terrible situations. And I blame that on the coaching staff more along the lines of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's got to stop looking down receivers. You know, I understand having someone like Jamar Chase, but the secret's out. You know, teams <laughs> are leading that way now. And it's yeah. no doubt Pittsburgh's a very uh, veteran defense that was able to exploit that and, you know, get a bunch of interceptions. I mean, it wasn't just one or two. It was a lot. And yeah. the fact that Cincinnati was still in the game – shows that how bad the offense for Pittsburgh is uh, as and, more of a long the credit of giving their defense much credit. I mean, that's a really bad offense they have over there in Pitt. And, you know, for you not to be able to win both games against them is uh, very alarming early on. Uh, they'll have to clean it up, and obviously uh, they're dealing with some injuries of their own. So, uh, you know, I can understand that standpoint. Nothing. But I'm not writing off the Bengals yet. Nothing. Like, I mean, they, they – Somewhat improved their offensive line over the offseason, but it didn't look improved. They gave up seven sacks. So, and I mean, it, he, they only managed uh, 5.6 yards per attempt. So that's not good, you know, when you're talking about the offense um, for, for the Bengals. And I think that's going to catch up with them this year. Uh, and that's why, yeah. you know, they 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 kind of snuck up on you last year. I think that was the team like like you were saying, Jamar Chase kind of snuck up on everybody. Uh you know, Joe Burrow, you know, there was hype around him, but he kind of snuck up. This whole off this you know, this defense, you know, snuck up on everybody. But I, I just I don't see them sneaking up anymore. Like everybody's on top of it now. Like all right, this team does not have a good offensive line. Let's exploit that. And Joe Burrow is going to make the mistake. He made four. He threw four interceptions in that first game in the, in week one, sacked seven times. It's just, it's hard to get back to the Super Bowl with an offensive line like that if you're going to get sacked seven times. Um, Obviously, they're throwing the ball way too much. That's why yes, I kind of fault the coaching staff on that one. I mean, that's a game plan where you know what your defense will be able to do to a particular offense and. You, know, you still find yourself throwing the ball over the place. And, you know, they had some success because Joe Burrow had a bunch of touchdowns. You know, uh, Jamar Chase had a bunch of catches. He fought back. The only thing I see with that is just the added, uh, you know, passing attempts. You know, Peyton Manning put it the best. You know, the Jets, you know, ran the ball 59 times. I mean, threw the ball 59 times week one. Yeah. I don't think the Bengals were much far behind. And there's no reason to have to throw the football that many times in one week. I mean, it's just it's unnecessary. Yeah. You know, if you're it's not a winning formula for football. You gotta be able to move the ball, move the chains, and you really primarily have to do that in the ground game. And obviously you break out a couple of plays here and there. You know, that's that's credit to the blocking and everything else. So right now the blocking isn't there for Cincinnati, but doesn't help throwing the ball that much week one. Yeah. 
Lamar Jackson needs to do a lot more than beat the Jets to earn the contract he wants from the Ravens. Uh, that's a little well, crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, he's he's betting on himself, and it's rightfully so. Uh, he's a great player. He's a big reason why Baltimore has success in the NFL. Uh, I thought the Jets did a great job defensively to try to maintain him, but he obviously is just – he's that good, and, you know, obviously a credit to him. I expect him to get paid at the end of the year. Baltimore don't want to pay him. Every Jet fan in America probably wouldn't mind having him, depending yeah. on how and what happens with Zach Wilson. So right now, that standpoint needs to be there for Baltimore. They got to pay this man. But right now, they have a lot of great t- players on that team. That defense is no joke for a reason. Yeah, you know they don't pay that quarterback a lot of money, and yeah. obviously Lamar Jackson's looking for difference making money. You know, but I always. You know, when it comes to this league, especially with the salary cap, these players seem to be more realistic. I'm looking at $300 million contracts. Like, you know, you, you make money like that, you're not going to have anyone surrounding you. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of similar to something that happened to Russell Wilson in the final couple of years in Seattle. Uh, another example, I think, would probably be Phillip Rivers after he started getting paid in the years he was having with the teams he was having. They were very limited teams. Yeah. It's very difficult to throw a good football team out there with a quarterback that you're paying. Yeah, a lot of money too, and unfortunately, these quarterbacks, instead of going out and doing commercials here and there, are looking for all their money to be guaranteed by the NFL. And you know, it's a good, you know, formula for you know making money, but yeah. it's not a good formula for success in the NFL. You're going to find yourself on the ground a lot because you got no blocking in front of you because you got to pay for those guys as well. Uh, so here we'll go with the last because the the other one is Saquon Barkley and the Giants are a dark horse for an NFC Wild Card team. Ah, I don't know about that. Um, we'll see. They had, they were missing a lot of guys, and uh, the fact that they were able to play as well as they did, and you know, keep Derrick Henry from a hundred yard game on twenty plus carries, uh, an impressive game for the Giants. They obviously uh, they played their hearts out in this one. You know, Saquon Barkley was effective. If they continue this formula, running the football well and playing good defense, then yeah, there's definitely a possibility at the wild card for them. Uh, last one, Khalil Mack gives the Chargers a Super Bowl winning defense, and I, I agree with it. I think their off their defensive line is stacked, and the way that they looked against the Chiefs on Thursday night, I mean, I felt like Mahomes was kind of running for his life a lot, and he was lucky to to step up in the pocket a couple of times, to- a couple of times, and make you know nice throws, but uh. This Chargers defense is dangerous. I mean, between Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, it, and then you add like Asante Samuel Jr., this this defense, and, and also J.C. Jackson. Let's not forget that. J.C. Jackson, a lot of people talk about him being the best cornerback in the league. This is a stacked defense. Stacked defense. Yeah, no, the Chargers have a really good one there. I think this is well known. Their odds to win the Super Bowl were lower than I think I've ever seen. On the Chargers, I probably called them San Diego again. I'm so used to it, but the Los Angeles Chargers, they they play a great game and they have a great team over there. Yeah. They're definitely a dark horse to win the Super Bowl, let alone make the playoffs. Uh, it's a it's a tough loss to take uh, against the Chiefs, but you were in Kansas City. It's a hostile environment, uh, and you know they were one mistake away from winning that game. Obviously, Joe Burrow doesn't throw that pick. It's a much different game, and like you said, the way Patrick Mahomes was running around in that game, there was no guarantee they were going to be able to score again. All right, so we got some hobby talk. Uh, we got some releases in the coming week. We got Panini Chronicles 2021-2022 basketball. In this box, you'll get eight cards per pack, tw- uh, six packs per box, 
and you get 12 boxes per case. In the box break, you get two autographs. So this is a, you know, like I said, this is a very fun product because it has a bunch of products. Um, you know, we're looking for plates and patches, timeless treasures, limited, gala, titanium, gold standard, all that. Um, collect base parallels such as red, blue, 75th anniversary as well. You get the purple, the gold, also a platinum one of one. This is a, like I said, this is a fun product. I didn't think so in the beginning when I first started getting into the hobby. I was like, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's got, you know, all these different products in this one product. And, but I've grown to actually like this box and basketball is coming out on the 21st. We also got a, uh, oh, and also that box is going to go for the nice low price of $300. Now we're going to go on to Don Russ Optic. The football version of this was out of this world. Obviously, it also helps to have a draft class like that, but I thought the cards were awesome. This also will be released on September 21st. Um, This is a H2. Now, I I have to stress that. This is H2. This is hybrid. So you're getting a mixture of retail and hobby. That is the, you know, you're just going to get a lower price on it. Um, this is a very high low price, I would say, on, on an H2. But you're getting 10 cards per pack, 4 packs per box, 20 boxes per case. In the br- the break of a box, you're getting 2 hollow prisms, 8 exclusive prisms, and 2 inserts. Each box contains, and you can, you can pull a parallel of a red pulser, a blue pulser, and a gold pulser that is number to 10. Um, and now you're also looking at inserts of the following elite dominators, all stars, the rookies lights out stargazing and reigning threes. This box is going for the nice low price of $625. Then we're going to go on to gold standard. I like this. I like this box. Um, and you're starting to see, as I we said last week, the 2022s are starting to come out. So this is a 2022 gold standard football. You're getting seven cards per pack, one pack per box, 12 boxes per case. In the break, you're getting five autographs or a mem, two base or base parallels. You're going to look for rookie jersey autographs of all the top drafted 2022 rookies. You're getting short printed rookie jersey autographs, double and rookie jersey autographs, triple, which feature multiple swatches and parallel to prime, maxed out at a number of 49, and the tag numbered one of one. So this is going to be a fun, fun break. Uh, and this is, for football, this is a low price, $490 for gold standard. The uh, Immaculate Collegiate Football was scheduled to release the 21st. It is now pushed back to the 28th. That box would go for $849. We will talk about that next week. So now, into more of the hobby talk. Derek Jeter is in uh, some news. And it's not news about baseball. It's in news of sports cards. And I'm interested to see what you think about this. Now, Derek Jeter... He is launching a venture capital-backed 
platform for sports card collectors in the effort to capitalize on this booming market. The fact that Derek Jeter thinks it's a booming market, cha-ching. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jeter and other founders of the platform, Arena Club, are attempting to digitize a card trading process. Arena Club said that the collectors will work out of a digital showroom inspecting online versions of trading cards while the company stores the physical cards in a vault. Buyers get a digital proof of claim showing they own a card in the company's vault. Arena Club said they can also request that the card be sent to them in what the company, which launched on Thursday, calls a protective slab. So what do you think about that? Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, Jeter's a household name. Yeah. And the fact that he's talking about the booming market of sports cars just shows, you know, that this is exactly the future right now. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about yeah. this. You know, you've even mentioned little things like Patrick Mahomes' uh, value going down. But go look up a pack of 2017 NFL sports cards of any kind, and you'll see how much that market's, you know, lacking of a boom. You know, uh, the, the price of 2,000, you know, NFL football cards, Tom Brady rookie year. It's will crazy. speak for itself. It's an insane market right now, and obviously, uh, it is at an all-time high. Uh, part of me wants to think that you know it's partially a pandemic-filled market. Um, people were stuck in their homes for a while, therefore, we're able to look at uh, old cards and things of that nature, things that people wouldn't naturally do if we didn't have a pandemic in this world. So, uh, I think that I think it all, you know, the sports gambling being a, a contributing factor as well, getting more people involved, more people with knowledge on these sports, uh, you know, just primarily people that, you know, weren't sports fans before the such pandemic. So yeah. I think uh, Derek G's got the right mindset with this. I, I think it's a pretty cool concept. And obviously, uh, you know, being a Yankee fan, you being a Yankee fan, uh, you're, we already know how much of the man this guy is. And, yeah. again, look up his rookie cards as well, and, yeah. you know, you'll see another booming market as well. Yeah, so my opinion on it is, you know, I, I'm only worried because we have a bunch of these. Like, we have a bunch of vaults, like, you know, collectors, yeah. which is with – PSA and Golden, they have a vault. PWCC yep. has a vault. Like there, there's a lot of these, uh, you know, vaults, you know, and you know, platforms that I'm wondering how this, you know, will play into it, you know, because now it's just gonna, you're, you're getting more and more. But it also shows, as you were saying, the, the booming market. Like it shows that some of these business guys want to get a part of this. Like this is, you know, the fact that it's getting that national, um you know, spotlight is, is a huge thing for the hobby. So, you know, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I just course. wonder how it will play into it with all the other vaults, but we got some other hobby news. The 2020 Joe Burrow national treasures, one of one NFL shield was finally pulled by East West cards. Also, wow. we have the 2020 Justin Herbert national treasure treasures, one of one NFL shield, the same card as the Joe Burrow just sold was a BGS 8.5, 10 on the auto sold at golden for $1.8 million. Most expensive wow. Herbert card to this date. 
That's so, unbelievable. Good time to sell him before he gets hurt. Too. Exactly, right? Um, <laughs> PWCC also established a $175 million asset-based credit facility led by Whitehawk Capital Partners. So I I believe if I if I read that correctly, they're they're basically going to be handing out loans for some of these people, you know, in the hobby and, and stuff like that. So it's very interesting. Um, you know, once we really look into that more, we'll speak on it more. Um, PSA reopened sir uh, bulk service level at lower prices, twenty two dollars. So that's huge when you look at it, but. Yeah, you got to read the fine print. You have to send in 25 cards to get graded, and each card is going to be $22. So they're not dumb yeah. in the way that they're doing yeah. this. Let's be serious. Of course. Um, but I wanted to, before we get out of the, the hobby talk, I wanted to get into something real quick, and it's kind of personal, like, in the hobby for me. I think I'm going to start buying Sky more. I, what? I, I think I'm going to start, start buying Sky more cards because – you look at, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes. You look at that Chiefs offense. I think he could be. I don't want to say a Tyreek Hill, but I think he could be that kind of um, talent on offense. Mm-hmm. That speedy wide receiver type. I, I could see this guy doing well, and I'm starting to. I'm starting to look at him on the cheap. You know, I was just looking at because now his cards are starting to come out, especially with uh, Panini Elite coming out last week. Elite has his autos, so and they're in Chiefs uniforms, so that's huge. So I, mm-hmm. I was just in an auction on on eBay for his card that was going for about I think it it was fifty three dollars going into like the last three hours of that auction. It ended up selling for I think close to a hundred dollars. But still, that's cheap. Wow. That's cheap for yeah. you know something like that. I think that that he would be more of a. I can see him being more of a hold, like throughout the whole season, because yeah. I think he'll start playing a bigger role in the offense. Uh, and then coming next year, I think he'll it'll be even better. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, you just gotta get like if he just gets more of that, you know, camaraderie with Pat Mahomes, you know, between. Travis Kelsey getting doubled and, you know, other guys like that drawing that attention. I think Sky Moore could really slip through the back, you know, and I think he, you know, I think he'll have a good season. I think he'll have a good, you know, uh, beginning of his career. And that's why he's a buy in my, uh, in my eyes. Yeah. So I like uh, it. I mean, I think it's a, an interesting play without a doubt. I yeah. think, uh, because really, you know, Sky like, Moore, they're already trusting him to be the kick returner, so obviously exactly. it takes time. But there's a lot of guys there in McKenzie City right now. And like I said, uh, I know he was someone that was getting drafted even in fantasy leagues. Uh, the hype was there, but unfortunately there's too many guys there right now. But again, guys don't become all-stars on their rookie year. You know, no, it doesn't no. really naturally happen. That's I know why I we said it may be a hole. And the Justin Jeffersons, but, the, you know, it's not as common as you think. Well, that's why I said, you know, because you're looking at this draft class and obviously the only other quarterback that you're really looking at is probably Kenny Pickett. And, mm-hmm. you know, he he's already going for high prices, which is crazy. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm trying to look into, you know, all the rest of the guys in that draft class. And, you know, you're you're getting, you know, the guys like Jamison Williams. You know, you're, you're looking at those kind of guys that are top wide receivers. And not many people are talking about Sky Moore, and I think Sky Moore is going to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on one of the best, 
you know, offenses in the league. He's got one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league. It's not definitely, it's definitely not far in the thought that, listen, this kid, you know, the hobby could really start, you know, flourishing for him uh, mm-hmm. and for any of his investors. And I think I'm going to start being an investor on, on Sky Moore. I like it. So before we get out of here, let's talk about some Madden stuff. Um, and then we'll just touch on fantasy uh, fantasy football. Uh, mm-hmm. So this week's uh, releases for Madden Ultimate Team. We have Team of the Week, 90 overall Saquon, 90 overall Champ Bailey, 90 overall Drew Bledsoe. You have Ultimate Kickoff, also had um, a 90 overall Christian McCaffrey. Then you move on to a 90 overall Von Miller and a 90 overall Brandon Scherf. Then in Legends, you have a 90 overall Cameron Wake, 90 overall Herman Moore, and a 90 overall Ray Nishk. So these, this was a good, a good week for releases in Madden Ultimate Team. Uh, I'm excited about this, and like I said, we're we're still really like we're starting to build those theme teams now. Yeah, you know, you're starting to see, and right now the best theme team, as per Mutt.gg. If you don't know this website, you should definitely check it out. They have it everything that like all the theme teams, their depth charts, and everything that you want to look for. And right now it's the New England Patriots with an overall of 97, uh, 87 um, for theme team. Drew Bledsoe at 90. You got um, Cordaro Patterson. Oh, San Fran. San Fran, I will give you in a second. San Fran is right now, they are in 85. So they're in the, That's they're tied for, for second. You know, obviously with, you know, you have uh, 89 Joe, Joe Montana. 87 Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert, 90 Michael mm-hmm. Crabtree, 89 Randy Moss. Um, Randy Moss is uh, has in every team, um, yes, you know, chemistry. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it's um, if uh, is there any other teams that you're thinking about that you would? Because right now, yeah. So the Patriots are 86. Ravens 85, Rams 85. Oh, the Raiders are in 86 as well. The Raiders are in 86 with an 87 Marcus Mariota as their number one. Britton Brown is an 87. That's crazy to me. Some of these guys you, you, you like look at and you're like, why did these guys get these kind of cards? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Dave Casper, uh, 91 tight end. He's been a problem playing him. Um, mm-hmm. I played him a couple of times. Uh, Derek Johnson, 90 at the middle linebacker. Chandler Jones is a 90 at right end. So, um, mm-hmm. And then you also got you know, Warren Sapp was released as well. So as of right now, if we're, if we're looking at it, your top teams for theme team, Patriots, Raiders, and then there's a bunch of 85, Saints, Rams, Ravens, um, 49ers, Browns, even the Browns. Um, yeah. so I went with, I went with, uh, the I went with the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the team that they got is, uh, is pretty solid. So I don't blame you on that. Um, yeah, I haven't really started a theme team yet. I haven't gotten to that point. Uh, I eventually will, but right now just trying to get some coins by, you know, winning games and, and whatnot. But I am a three time Super Bowl champ so far. 
So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. that. I'm pretty happy about that. With an 86 Justin Herbert, so you can't you can't beat that. Not bad. Yeah. So fantasy football, real quick. Who are you replacing Dak Prescott with? Right now, the options on your waiver wire are currently uh, Carson Wentz and Mariota. Uh, I'm a fan of both. Uh, I think Carson Wentz is good this week. Just you know, this is like a more of a short term uh, fill in right now. I think both of these players are. I think uh, Mariota, due to the fact of his uh, you know history with injuries, and Carson Wentz, you know, a great week one he had against the Jacksonville team that we all know isn't too intimidating. Uh, you know, and obviously Mariota played a really good Saints team and found a way, you know, because of his floor with his rushing yards. But uh, he's got to be more careful because we've seen this act before. Again, like I said, I have not seen Mariota play in a week three game in a very long time. Uh, we'll see if I could, you know, break that streak. But he's definitely one of my favorites to uh, fill in Dak Prescott, at least on the uh, on a short-term uh, answer. Another option I like, too, and he's actually getting eligibility from the quarterback position is Taysom Hill. I mean, I've seen some people use him because he's quarterback slash tight end, so a lot of people using for tight end purposes. And I know Kamara's deal with injuries. I think Ingram's not even going to be playing this week. You're looking at a guy who uh, might be running the football as a primary running back, especially in the red zone. Uh, not your ideal quarterback situation, probably no pass yards, but uh, you know, if you get 85 yards and a touchdown out of your quarterback, you're looking at uh, you know, somewhere along the lines of a 14, 15 point week. You add a couple of catches to that full point PPR. Uh, definitely takes a good spot in your uh, quarterback position. Try to get you a 20. So there's a couple of uh, you know, running back injuries as well. You know, you had Elijah Mitchell. You had uh, you know, Kamara is a, is questionable. There's a bunch of guys. Who are you looking for to pull off? your waiver wire to, to fill in for these guys? Because who knows what's going to happen with Elijah Mitchell. You don't know how long he's going to be out really for. Well, I've seen some options. Uh, Jeff Wilson, again, is probably the guy you should have had on your squad. Uh, I understand not having him due to the fact that I've seen this guy get replaced a couple of times. Uh, and unfortunately, it's just the way it is. You know, it's what happens. Uh, you end up, you know, you got to cover these guys. But Jeff Wilson gets hurt all the time. So, yeah. It's a very difficult situation. Jeff Wilson's uh, the short-term answer. Uh, guys I like, you know, as a flyer, especially in PPR, uh, Rex Burkhead. Um, and, that, you know, maybe uh, it's tough. The running back position has been yeah. really filled up like usual. <laughs> I think even yeah. Rex Burkhead would probably be, not be available in a lot of your leagues. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, maybe I'm, I'm thinking tough. maybe the Dontrell Hilliard for uh, – that's what I'm really liking long-term. If uh, you're able to add this guy to your roster, it's a good add. Uh, he's a solid play with Derrick Henry, and without Derrick Henry in the lineup, he turns into a top-five back. So he's definitely an ideal play. He's uh, this year's Madison, um, barring an injury from Derrick Henry, who is turning 33 years old. Yeah, exactly. So uh, right now, the rankings going into Week 2, Josh Allen, the number one quarterback, Jalen Hurts, the number two. Then we go to running back. We got, um, if it actually changes, it's not coming up. Oh, of course, I have to, you know, have a subscription for this goddamn website. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get away from that. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, these guys with running back, with the running back position, like you were saying, you know, we, we said it going into our draft prep. You know, if you don't get those top running backs early, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then like a decent backup, you know, the next round, 
you're in trouble. And now, like guys that had Elijah Mitchell, which I I thought was a a great pickup. You know, you're a little worried now. You know, you're you're, you're definitely like, all right, all right, what's going to happen now? Because everybody on the bench, you know, or the guys that aren't on teams, they're not. You're not going to expect much from them. So mm-hmm. that's that's my issue. Well, with it's, that. One of, it's one of those situations where you know I've seen teams ending up with like I you know teams ended up with Elijah Mitchell, T Higgins, and Dak Prescott. Yeah, you know it's part of the game. It's always been a part of uh, fantasy football. The main aspect of that is that you just need to make sure when you're drafting to always have handcuffs, to always have backup options. I mean, if you're going to draft someone like T Higgins or Jamar Chase, it wouldn't hurt to grab a Tyler Boyd. Yeah. I personally have Keenan Allen in the league. I also had Joshua Palmer, who I had to start. Got lucky with a touchdown late in that game. But that's why you get guys like that, you know, as fill-ins. Uh, quick answers to your injuries. Yeah. And you just try to build from that and keep moving. You know, it's a long football season. You're going to find an injury to deal with, whether it's even a small one like Justin Herbert, who's came back in and now he's hurting, but he does have a week and a half to prepare for next week. It's a... Uh, it's a grind, fantasy football. That's what makes this so fun. That's what makes it so uh, competitive. And anyone can win. Yeah. You're really trying to dodge that injury bug. And if you don't dodge it, you got to make sure you have the answers for it. And, you know, for me personally, if I had Keenan Allen or Mike Williams in a league, I was adding Joshua Palmer. I was adding Tyler Boyd. I mean, remember, these are powerful offenses. So you want pieces in those offenses. Yeah. And, for me, I think that was definitely the ideal thing to do. I mean, it's not just what running backs you could do with wide receivers as well. You just got to make sure to get those handcuffs so that uh, when you do get an injury coming your way, you're able to just uh, adjust accordingly and uh, keep moving forward. Yeah, so now I found an actual free website that actually has the rankings, and they have Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and then Saquon Barkley. Now, my question with this, and I, I didn't under really – I didn't even think so. of it um, – prior to the you know to the draft and everything but why was Austin Eckler going so early uh on the standpoint that he just catches a lot of passes from Justin Herbert he did it last year he had 20 touchdowns last season uh from looking at Thursday night you saw Sony Michelle taking a lot of burn in the red zone which was definitely alarming for a lot of Eckler fans yeah. but what makes Eckler special is that a game like that, with a game plan like that, uh, he still found a way to get 18 points in a full-point PPR, and that's what makes him a difference maker. The guy rushes for 30 yards a game, catches for 50 yards, and it winds up being about nine catches in the process. Yeah. It's what he does. He gets 100 yards a game, whether it's a catch or a run, and he usually tries to add a touchdown. Uh, you, know, you talk to the Chargers right now. They didn't play Eckler as much as they wanted to, and uh, they didn't win. So. Yeah. You know, obviously adjustments have to be made accordingly. Eckler is a you know is a special someone, but also someone who can get injured. And again, these teams leaning towards these multiple running backs is a mindset along the lines that we're trying to keep our running back healthy at this point because you know you know how it works. I mean, you're you've seen Elliott get hurt. I mean, I've seen a lot of running backs hurt. Elijah Mitchell's already been hurt. I could promise you another one will probably happen this week. Yeah, you know, running backs holding on to the football so much and they're taking vicious hits, it's eventually going to happen, whether it's just, you know, you know, getting uh, the wind knocked out of you. Yeah. So a very violent sport, NFL uh, and football in general. But, yeah. you know, obviously it's part of the game. It, it's what makes the game so special. And, you know, it's actually a big contributor in fantasy football. You talk to anyone, injuries are a significant part of fantasy football. And, 
know, you got to find a way to just get around those and, you know, grind the whole season and find a way to win it all. All right, so wide receivers, rankings, uh, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson. Uh, and then you have tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. And then defenses, well, this is kickers. So kickers, Justin Tucker, Tyler Bass, and Matt Gay. Uh, and then defenses, Buffalo Bills, 49ers, and the Broncos. So it's very impressive. I think another team up there could have been the Pittsburgh Steelers after what they did week one number six. against the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, you know, losing TJ Watt is the reason why they're down to number six. So they'd probably be the clear cut number one right now. Yeah. All right. So that will do it for running up the score. But before we get out of here, we're going to have a nice little interview with Triz the Ripper from Backyard Break. So we're going to take Kevin here and we're going to get him out of here. And uh, we're going to replace him with Triz the Ripper, the hottest hands in the hobby. So we haven't had a guest on the podcast in a very long time. And with us revamping the show, there was one person I knew I wanted to bring on first. We have the hottest hands in the hobby, the creator of the Positivity Palace, one half of the logo bros. I'm excited to say we got Triz the Ripper from Backyard Breaks on the podcast today. What's going on, dude? Thank you, man. What an intro. Honestly, I, I no. feel like I'm, I'm not even deserving of all that. But listen, I'll take it. dude. I'm, I'm, I'm just a kid ripping sports cards, bro. But all that sounded real. That, that sounded good. Good. Um, good. I wanted to. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I got a stream tonight, which I'm looking forward to. Nice. And uh, we got a big event on Sunday. We're doing mystery packs with our guy, Jay Hicks. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Um, but no, man, I'm good. How are you? How are, how are things? You know, getting there, you know, everything. Uh, it's nice that we like revamped the, uh, the podcast cause we really started getting into sports cards. So I was like, you know what, what better way to really revamp this podcast to add that, you know, I mean, even Derek Jeter's getting into the, you know, the pot, the, the hobby. So it's like, dude, you know, business, is, <laughs> business is booming, you know, <laughs> Yes, it is. It's a good time for the hobby. Yeah, And absolutely. yeah, like you said, dude, Derek Jeter jumping in by starting a grading company. I mean, out of nowhere. I know. I know. And I mean, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you because, you know, we have a bunch of vaults. You know, there's a couple of, you know, obviously there's a lot of grading companies. Where do you think Derek Jeter fits in that? Like where do you, you know, with his, his vault and, you know, his grading service? Um, so my first thing is... I like that he's taking that approach to entering the hobby. I think it's a cool way of hopping in. And I think with his notoriety, he'll be able to get a little bit of legitimacy already coming out the gate for the company, which is obviously, in my opinion, the biggest barrier to entry for a service like grading, right? Because you yeah. want it to be trustable. Absolutely. For me, that's one of the things that I, I have a love-hate relationship with it, right? Because if you send a card to PSA, it could be the most perfectly centered perfect card you've ever seen in your entire life and it could get an eight and yeah. it could be you know the most off-centered card with a dimple on the surface and it could get a 10 yeah so i, I think that like variability is cool for psa because it creates like these it creates the market you know yeah. you need to have nines you need to have eights you can't have a million tens walking around of every single card or else you know you know the the market on it's just going to be completely torched and same thing with nine, same thing with everything. So that's a little bit of my thought process on grading in general. Coming back to Jeter, I think if he 
I think if the grading is accurate, I think that's what a lot of the industry is missing. Yeah. I think Beckett does a little better job of that, but I think if the grading's accurate with his name behind it, I like the look of the slabs, which is another huge part of it too, right? Yeah. You gotta like what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I think he could do good things. I think he could definitely do good things. And in my, and again, in my opinion, hobby in general, guys like Derek Jeter becoming a part of it are just great, yeah. great news for hobbyists at large. Just again, legitimacy for the hobby, let alone his company. Absolutely. So now before we get into, you know, deeper stuff in the hobby, how did you get into the hobby? So I love telling this story. <laughs> so I was going to go to law school. I had like a 75% scholarship to uh, UF for law. Nice. And I got deferred acceptance. So I had to wait a year to get in. Okay. So in that year, meantime, my parents, myself, obvious thought process is get a job at a law office, get a little opportunity. You know what I mean? Get yeah. a little, a uh, little experience. And I'm on my way home, having just gotten off the phone with like a prominent patent attorney in South Florida to get a, an internship. I was going to send him a formal email, whatever. And Grant Telford calls me. He goes, he was my pledge brother. Okay. We went to FSU together. We were pledge brothers. He calls me, he goes, he's just catching up. And then he's like, uh, what are you doing for the summer for work? In the meantime, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to get a job at a law office. I'm on my way to write the email. He goes, what if I told you I have a job? You'll make at least 50 bucks an hour. You can work on your own time and you'll have a good time doing it. What do you say? I said, okay, what are you talking about? Because I hadn't even seen him posting card stuff yet. Yeah. I had just seen the backyard athlete. If anybody yeah, knows, you know about the Frisbee. Yeah, that's how I started following them was through uh -huh. like the little Frisbee thing. I was like, wow. Like, and when I ended up, you know, learning more about, you know, sports cards, I started, you know, looking at backyard and I was like, wait, why do I recognize this guy? And that's how it. <laughs> it's amazing that you've been following since the Frisbees. Cause yeah. not a lot of people know about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so it started off with the Frisbees. That's all I knew that was happening with yeah. him. And I would talk to him about it all the time because I'm the kind of person where I just find all of that interesting. If there's money floating around yeah, anything obscure, I find it interesting. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? I just, I want to know what's going on. <laughs> so with the Frisbees, he was keeping me up to date on like his markup and how much, like how much he was getting it at. He had me like in on the whole business model, essentially. So I was following him with that. And then he calls me. He's like, oh, I'm doing this card thing now. I was like, okay. He's like, look, even if you don't want to do it, just come in and watch me do it to see if you're interested. And I was like, all right, fine. So I drive to Boca. We're in this little garage, a, <laughs> literally a garage. And it's just him doing what we do right now, screaming yeah. at the phone. And at the time, dude, even Grant, as big as he is now and as big as like, you know, some of the breaks have become with us. Yeah was ripping legacy packs, like just packing out legacy boxes. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what that means for like non-card hobby enthusiasts, rather than selling multiple boxes at once, you take a single box that has two autographs in it and you essentially pack it out one by one of the 20 packs and people are gambling to try and hit one of the two autographs. Yeah. So anyway, so he's packing it out and he's like, all right, you've seen me do it. What do you think? I was like, I mean, it seems easy enough. He's like, just come in and try it. You'll make good money. Worst case scenario, I'll pay $300 myself just for coming in. I was like, okay, fine. What <laughs> yeah, do I have to lose? Exactly. I come in, I rip packs. 
I sell like, it was the craziest thing. I sold a panini one in one. And at the time that was a huge box. You know what I mean? We're packing out $20 packs. Some dude comes in, buys a $500, $600 panini one and uh, a panini one football from 2020. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just, I think I pulled a Jonathan Taylor. Oh, wow. And I was just amazed that someone spent that much money on a a box (laughs) of sports cards, let alone one card. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, like what's going on here? So I get home, I explain it all to my parents and they like, their first thought is, is this a scam? Like, is this <laughs> some sort, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like so crazy for them to wrap their head around a $500 box. They're like, what if it was one of them bidding on the box, you know, from one of their accounts to convince you that this is legit. And I was yeah. like, I don't think brands <laughs> like that though. Lo and behold, I start doing this and mind you, dude, I did not know who Justin Fields was prior to ripping <laughs> sports cards. And that's the craziest thing for a lot of people that I talk to about this to wrap their head around. I was learning on the fly. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay. Now, obviously I have a good grip. You yeah. know what I mean? On college professional, obviously I, I know what I'm talking about now, but yeah. it took two years of learning, but that's how I started, man. That's, that's an oh, awesome. And, <laughs> and, and before I finish, the line grant used, was and i quote because i I can't make this up and this is the most grand thing ever it's so easy a monkey could do it that was how he described breaking sports cards that's definitely grant that definitely seems like it'd be coming out of grant um yeah i mean that's that's an amazing story because you know to be totally honest with you i i collected when i was younger you know i'm i'm 32 now so like when i was younger it was like, oh, I had a binder of just cards and I would always go to the card store, get a pack here, there, whatever. But it was never in, you know, collectible type of form. And, you know, it, I remember hearing Gary V like right before the pandemic say, oh, you know what? I'm going to start investing in sports cards again. So I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll let me just, you know, pull out the binder and see what I got. I'm looking, looking, looking them up on eBay, dollar card here, dollar card there. So I just gave up on it. I was like, ah, whatever. And then my buddy, who also is my co-host on the the podcast, he's like, listen, he's like, I need your, uh, your editing skills for like video and everything. I want to get into sports cards. So I'm like, all right. So I sat down, knew nothing about the cards, nothing like, you know, obviously I know the athletes. So, you know, I'm looking at cards and that's the craziest thing about the hobby is that you really can't go by you know, the great players, you know, at any position, it's literally the hype of rookies or, you know, whatnot. So, uh, you know, I remember sitting there and they're breaking a box. I forget what it was. And they pulled a car. I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's great. Oh, actually, you know what? 2013 luminance. And we pulled a, uh, Deandre Hopkins rookie card. I was like, Holy crap. This is great. And we look it up on eBay and it was 20 bucks. And I was, I was like, about to say like probably like 25. <laughs> yeah, bucks. I was like, what the hell is up with this? Uh-huh. So and that's just the craziest thing to me, you know, in terms of the hobby is that, you know, guys that aren't even proven are going for the craziest prices compared to the guys that are proven. And it's like, ah, you know, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. You know, it's, it's crazy. But um, how do you think that how do like how do you think that fanatics, this whole thing with fanatics, how do you think that's going to change the hobby? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I think it depends on the position you're in in the hobby. <laughs> okay. uh, I think 
look, all of it's speculation, right? We don't know what exactly it is they're going to do. I've heard Michael Rubin speak a couple of times, and I like what he has to say. I mean, the one thing that I saw all over social media was that he was saying, like, let's get rid of redemptions, which I love. Um, And for those of you who don't know what redemptions are, because how familiar is your podcast with with sports cards? You know, we just started introducing them to it. Um, I mean, if you want, you can kind of give a uh, a broad – you know, definition on breaking, you know, cause I kind of did, sure. you know, um, but yeah, like not many, like, cause we're, we started out as, I mean, we started out as a sports podcast, then it just got way too much to like really focus in on every sport. And if we're doing it once a week to have, you know, baseball playing every day, basketball playing every day, it was just hard mm-hmm. to keep up, you know, for a one day, a, a week podcast. So we just transitioned to all football because that was the one thing that we knew and we were the best at talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, so the fact that like we just literally I think we got two or three podcasts in where we spoke about sports cards. So, I mean, if you mm-hmm. want to give a, you know, a broad definition of breaking and then get into, you know, fanatics and all that. you can. Sure, sure. So breaking is my job. That's what I do. Uh, and to describe it simply the average break for me or breaking in general is taking several boxes. It could be a single box, but usually several boxes of sports cards from either, you know, different sports. So I could do the brand new year of basketball with Kate Cunningham rookies, or I could do the brand new year of football with Trevor Lawrence rookies and put one of each of those boxes in a break. And then I auction off teams from a dollar is what we do on whatnot, but you know, sometimes people sell teams at fixed prices. But basically, you purchase a team rather than the box, and every player from that team goes to you. So if I have the Jaguars in a break, every Trevor Lawrence card is coming to me, whether it's a hundred thousand dollars or a dollar. Um, and I feel like that's you know, that covers yeah, it, right? Yeah, absolutely. More or less. Yeah. Um, and fanatics as you all may know, is a sports, you know, wear company among many other things, a sports conglomerate essentially at this point. And they've purchased the rights to sports cards from Panini, who currently has it, for NFL, NBA, and MLB rights. So they're going to be selling sports cards soon and they're going to change the industry. There's the overview. (laughs) Um, So Josh Luber is the creative director of yeah, the sports card, something cha- like that. He changed his like job title, you know, from the beginning of that. But yeah, that's right. I think his his job now. title seems to be very flexible. Yeah. But he was essentially the one who founded StockX, which is the current sneaker marketplace. So sneakers, obviously a lot of people know like vintage Jordans, all that kind of stuff sell for a lot of money. StockX is the marketplace for it, right? Yeah. I think what Fanatics is going to do, their two biggest moves, in my opinion, that are really going to change the game for the better for everyone, is they're going to create a marketplace for cards, just like there's a marketplace for StockX. Because right now, I think the only other company that's really doing that is Golden, who's leading the way, at least, in that. And I think Fanatics is going to create a marketplace for all cards, not just the high end like Golden is kind of. I think Golden's trying to trickle down and start high and expand into everything. Okay. But I think Fanatics is going to start from the ground, which will be really good for the average hobbyist. And the other thing that they're going to do is make a shift towards culture cards, which I'm super, super excited about for the future of cards in general, not just sports cards. 
because you already saw it with the jackass cards yes which are selling really well yeah and those were a fanatics product and a zero cool which is luber's company product and i think they're going to start doing it with musical artists pop culture figures like the kardashians because i don't know if you've seen there's like a kim kardashian card from either tops or something like that that sells for crazy money it's a (laughs) kim kardashian auto i wanted to buy it oh really for the hype of i i'm a buyer into that i think culture cards are going to blow up and i think they're original ones like the jackass i have a few jackass cards i'm holding on to yeah and um and the ones like the kim kardashian auto for example or like there's a jay-z rookie card from tops i have that i'm trying to buy the refractor version okay um but I think that's going to be a really cool. It's no one's talking about that, right? Because everyone's yeah. focused on sports. I think the culture cards are going to be a really, really fun shift. Like Gary B, for example, yeah, with his rhinos or whatever, you know, the, the animals <laughs> the and all that. I don't know yeah. too much about it. Yeah. Um, but I think Fanatics is going to do really good things in that department. I think Fanatics is going to favor the card breaking community rather than the distributors, right? Yeah. And part of the problem for me at least is I'm getting boxes at a pretty high price. So I have to sell them at said high price to make margins. Right. So we're not in the red, but that's because these distributors who know they're getting potentially phased out are trying to squeeze this game for everything they can right now. Yeah. And I understand that they're trying to get their money's worth while they still can before they get out because it doesn't look like they have a plan. A lot of them are trying to convert into breaking companies. Like we, the hobby was a distribution company. Okay. And now they're making a little bit of headway as a breaking company. Yeah. Um, but that's why you're seeing this shift to so many breaking companies. And I wonder how many of them are, are really going to make it out. Yeah. I think there's, you know, a lot to be said about, again, how fanatics is going to treat the breaking community and how they're going to try and bring boxes there. But I think it'll be good for the hobby too, because if they're favoring us, we're getting it at a lower price point. We can bring it to the customer at a lower price point. Exactly. The brakes become a little more cost effective, which right now they're expensive because wax is expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, very. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of positive change. I think Michael Rubin is a really smart guy. I don't think they're going to spend billions of dollars to acquire rights and not have a, a really good yeah, plan exactly. in place. <laughs> um, so I'm excited. I think Fanatics will be really, really good for the hobby. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, speaking on the the culture cards, I mean, even when we were at the national, they had the Stranger Things, um, you know, and they were showing that stuff. So that's, yes, sir. you know, that's interesting. And you know, the fact that you said that, that's you know, I I could see that more, uh, especially now, you know, with fanatics taking over. Um, but in terms of you know, I guess personal, you know, like who do you PC? You know, in in terms of you know sports cards, at least my guys, my ultimate hold, Anthony Edwards. Okay. Buy him right now. I think he's going to be the guy. Okay. I know it's big. I know it's big talk. <laughs> I think Luca is also going to be the guy. I mean, okay. he's almost proven it at this point. He yeah. basically is already. Yeah. Um, but we're going to see right now and this is also why i'm buying ant-man so heavily and the thing to think about with sports cards in general the market and the hype around a player is very important their notoriety their their namesake how familiar they are to the average person ant-man was just a fantastic role in an adam sandler movie on yeah. netflix i'm sure everyone saw this hustle yep. he killed that bro yeah, kermit wiltz was like a force to be reckoned with <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean 
Yeah, so, even the the talking crap and everything that was it was he was good. It was he believable, it, bro. Yeah. I hated him. I, I hated the character <laughs> of Kermit, so he did a good job, you know. So that got me all the more excited about the fact that I was already buying him, and I love his play. I think his play style is sustainable because he's not like John Morant's amazing, but I worry about his sustainability every time he lands from one of those yeah, crazy dunks. I'm looking at his ankles every time. Yep. It's all I can think about. Um. I, I hope the best for him. I think he's, you know, could be a generational talent if he, you know, can sustain that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Anthony Edwards is my buy. That's my PC. I also really like Bones Highland for basketball. I also really like Davion Mitchell, super underrated two-way guard. Watch his defensive highlights. It's all you need to see. Yeah. And you'll fall in love with the kid. Um, and he's super cheap. That's why I love Davion Mitchell. He's so, so, so cheap um, in terms of, in my opinion, his value. Uh, and then football, I have a few big Justin Herberts. Have to hold that kid. Yeah. I mean, dude, did you see some of those fourth down throws? He didn't win the game, but he's going against Patrick Mahomes. Even with, no one should fault themselves for losing against Patrick Mahomes. Even with a fractured, you know, rib, and you know, that's it was. It showed a lot, and I've I've liked Justin Herbert since he came into the league. I think he's going to be one of, if not the best quarterback in the league you know within a year or two if he's not already um the thing that you know speaking well first of all before I get to that I'm gonna guess just by your PC that your favorite sport is basketball that's correct I love football but I've been a diehard Miami Heat fan my whole life growing up I played basketball my whole life growing up that's just that's where the heart lies yeah definitely I, I figured that and I you know I, I know that you're a Dolphins fan. I know you're a Heat fan. So I was like, uh, you know, but I know that you like you, you just go by going by your breaks and, you know, the way that you're talking. I knew basketball was your favorite sport. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. And and I I'm one of the guys that, you know, everybody calls a front runner, but I'm not really a front runner because I'm a Cowboys and a Lakers fan. Now, okay. now the perfect the perfect way I you got to justify that I, Lakers I'm, fandom right now. <laughs> I am justifying it, so I am not in any way, shape, or form a LeBron James fan. I don't like LeBron at all. Uh, so that right there, I justify pretty well when it comes to the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I was always always fascinated by Kobe Bryant. Kobe okay. Bryant was my guy. Um, you know, obviously, when I was younger, they were they were pretty good. Especially when I started to like was really watching sports. I mean, the two thousands. You know, their that team was ridiculous. You know, between Insane. you know Kobe and Shaq, Robert Ory, Rick Fox, Derek Fisher. You know, guys like that. Can't forget Pogasol. Exactly, exactly. And you know that Kobe was just always my guy. So it it was just you know my dad was a Lakers fan, so he kind of like passed it on to me because Showtime was huge when he was a kid. So sure. it just, you know, and, and with the Cowboys, Cowboys were good in the 90s, obviously. Um, but my dad, like my grandfather never really watched sports. So when my dad watched football, it was always on Thanksgiving. So the Cowboys mm-hmm. always played on Thanksgiving. So it just it just stuck. And, you know, obviously when he was younger, they were good in the 70s, like the late 70s. Then they got really good in the 90s, obviously. Um, and now I've become a bigger fan than my dad. So it's, you know, it's just the way. So, uh, and I've always been a huge Tony Romo fan. Tony Romo is my guy, you know, and 
I hated Dak for the first, you know, year or two that he took over, uh, you know, Romo's spot, but that's not here nor there. Um, I'm a fan of Dak now. Let that be, let that go on the record. And okay. I said it when we were doing our Hall of Fame break where, you know, everyone was talking about divisional wins and everything. Yeah. I took the Cowboys this year out of the NFC East. Now, how is that looking after week one? Maybe not so good. Yeah. But I always am one of those guys, and everyone says it every year, but I, I'm one of those guys who's such a believer, and I fall into the trap of it's the Cowboys year. Like I Dak, know. Zeke, all of that. I always believe. Always. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even a fan. Yeah. It's, it's hard so. because they always they always look good on paper. And it's like, ah, you know what? Dak is another year older. It's like he's just getting more. He's he's gotten better each year, and that was the one thing that I For liked sure. about Dak. Um, but going back to um, you know, cards. First of all, were you able to make this a full time job? Yes, that's yes, that's awesome. For sure. <laughs> now I can't. It's. I'm very blessed, let me say, while I do mention that this is my full-time job, to have the backyard yeah. as my, you know, as my segue into this world. Because, dude, Grant, all the credit due to Grant Brochnik, three owners, yeah. um, especially Grant, of just building this brand into what it's become. And such a juggernaut in this space of card breaking. Yeah. Uh, because, dude, I came in. And, and all the credit due also, while we're on the subject, to JMO. Yeah. Because he's really the one who built the Backyard Rips account into what it's become. You know, we're the biggest on, on the WhatNot app now. Yeah. And I will give him the credit for that. I don't deserve it. I was a great second fiddle to him for a really long time because I wasn't taking this as seriously as I should have. I didn't realize the potential of the cards, the breaks, all of it. I didn't buy in myself. I didn't fall in love with cards until about a year in. Okay. And now, you know, I feel like everybody jokes around about it and all this stuff, the, the logo bro rivalry yeah. <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, more or less, it's me and J-Mo, you know, running this thing now together. Yeah. But for a long time, it was him. And, again, all credit due. But, yes, that's why I'm able to make it my full-time job because I have an audience ready to go, and I was able to step into that, you know. And, you know, I do my thing, but I, I give credit where it's due, and that's, that's why. Absolutely. It's because of them. I, I mean – just like, you know, going into this, I was like, oh, maybe this is like, this is awesome. I like, I, I love breaking the boxes. I love, you know, just everything about it. It's, it's that thrill that I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say competitiveness, but it's that, like that thrill of like getting ready to like, you know, play a game or something like that. And that's, that's, it's a rush. yeah. And I loved it. And that's why, like, that's why I really focused in on it now, you know, hopefully starting up, you know, ruts breaks and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, obviously the prices are, are crazy. As you said before, like that's, that's what's keeping a lot of, you know, people from getting into breaking and stuff like that. So they have to get into the breaks and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, just overall, you know, I, I admire everything that you guys have done over there at backyard. I, I mean, just, Everything that you guys deal with, you know, all the haters, you know, everybody's got haters. But if you got haters, that means you're doing something good. So exactly. that's why I like I don't listen to anything that anybody else is, you know, anybody else says. Any but, of the noise. Yeah, it's like it's ridiculous. But, um, you know, I was able to meet you at the National. You guys, you know, everybody at Backyard was awesome. You know, uh, the 
the party, the UFC watch party that we went to, that was, you know, you guys are a lot of fun. I, I will say Grant and, and Nikki and all their nut jobs. And I, yeah. I, and I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and it was just funny because, you know, my dad knows, knows nothing about sports cards and I brought him with me to the show and he was looking just, and I mean, like, I felt like I had to keep lifting up his jaw, you know, from all the prices, you know, at every, you know, at every table. table. It was crazy. And, um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I appreciate you guys in every single way. Um, of course, man. but before, before we end this, I want to know what is your favorite product to rip in a break? And then I'll ask you what your favorite product is to dome for yourself. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Damn. First off, let me just say I'm already upset that you said you're going to end this after these questions. Because <laughs> yeah. I could have sat here talking to you all day. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm ready. To I would come love back to. Whenever. <laughs> all right. Cool. Whenever you'll have me, I'm I'm ready. Perfect. I love this. Um, because honestly, dude, I just love talking about the hobby. Yeah, in general. I mean it's because like it's my fun. girl, my girlfriend doesn't want to hear it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Anybody who doesn't understand doesn't want to hear it either. Yeah. So like being able to voice out opinions and stuff about this is just great. But anyway, um, favorite product to dome person I can answer is I can answer first way easier contenders basketball um or contenders football but for me personally contenders basketball. basketball you know i'm a bigger fan yeah i love the cracked ice hunt out of contenders it's such a fair price point in my opinion for the comps on what those cracked ice cards go for and dude there's so many great rookies to hit out of this class especially yeah. like this year alperin sangoon is starting to look like he could have like some sort of a breakout at his position Mobley, Cade, Giddy. I mean, I can keep going. Scotty, you know? Yeah. So that's my favorite to break personally. I have a couple Bones Highland and Davion Mitchell crack dices that I'm proud of. Uh, and then in breaks, dude, I, I would have to say National Treasures football. It's just, for me, I like hitting cards that change people's lives. Yeah. That's the biggest fun for me out of this job is being able to actually affect someone's like whole life yeah, absolutely. by just opening one of these boxes and national treasures provides that opportunity. The ceiling's just so high, you know, it, you hit a Trevor true RPA and it's probably what 30 grand. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. And the people that don't know anything really about the hobby that like, they're like, how is a piece of cardboard that much money? And you know, it, it is really hard to explain because you're like I don't know how to justify the price tag for that but it it's it's that it's the hype it's here's how I justify and here's the easiest way you ask them how long have sports cards been around because your grandpa was probably collecting sports cards yes now think about you know a Tom Brady rookie card Right. This is how I always put it in perspective. I say, think about cards and how long they've been around. Now think about a Tom Brady rookie card. Now that everyone's agreeing, he's the GOAT. Yeah. Right. How much do you think that would be worth? And they're like, oh, that'd probably be worth a good amount of money. And I was like, okay. When people are buying these newer age cards, they're realizing that more money's flooding into the market, which is why the prices on these rookie cards are going up. And they're realizing that some of these young kids could be the next Brady. You don't know, yeah. but you're hoping and praying, right? That Trevor Lawrence becomes this generational talent. 
he, he doesn't even need to be the next Brady, the next Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And his card of cards out of national treasures, when all this money is now flooded into the market for years and years and years, right? Because this is 20 years down the line. How much is that going to be worth? Yeah, it's true. Who knows? It's That's true. how I justify it. That's my simple, you know, uh, script Yeah, for running them through it. And like to me, it's crazy that even Pat Mahomes – you know, stock was down leading into this season. I was like, I don't know why. I know he lost Tyreek Hill and he went to your team, but it was He's just the guy to chase Brady. Yeah, and that's why I was just like, I was dumbfounded that his stock was down. And like, I even, I even bought a couple of his cards. Like nothing crazy, but I was like, I'm definitely going to like if they're down now, they're gonna make money exactly. And I was like, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't not buy this right now. It's essentially like buying blue chip stock. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and at this point, it's, in my opinion, established Herbert and Burrow are essentially blue chip stocks. These are the guys that are going to be running the league, and if the sports car market keeps going, they should increase in value overall from where they are right now. It's like the stock market. It's always going up. So if you get in when you're young and you buy those blue chips, you buy into the market, you'll make money by the time you're 40, 50, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I think the same thing. You know, I, I even before the season started, I started buying into Trey Lance. Uh, you know, I, I'm still on the fence now because now I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. Because at first I was like, the fact that he had the the spot, he was the starter way before the preseason started. I was like, this is, you know, all right, they see a lot in him. This mm-hmm. is great. The the 49ers have a Super Bowl type roster. I was like, this is it. You know, this is the guy. And then when they they restructured that contract for Jimmy G, I was like, ah, I don't know. That that made me, like, question it. So now I'm like. Low lack of faith yeah. from the Niners. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, if they are lacking faith, then, you know, what am I supposed to do? I have money in on him. So I'm like, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's kind of what makes, you know, it's kind of a gamble and you know as much as you know you don't want to advertise gambling i mean gambling sports gambling is the biggest thing you know especially now that you know especially in new york where i live you know they made oh, it huge. legal and i was like this is awesome you know last year i was betting on everything uh-huh. uh and sports cards gave me that that kind of you know that feeling too but also having that physical you know I guess trophy for that, you know, and that's sure. that's kind of what I I liked about it. But again, before we get out of here, who is your investment? Now I, I figured Anthony Edwards is your investment in the NBA. Who's the guy that you're really really going heavy on? I think you said Herbert before, but is there anybody else that you're looking into? So here's what I'll say, right? Because there's like I was saying, there's blue chip stock. Yeah, Ant Man and Herbert are my blue chip stocks. Yeah. I'm I'm throwing. As much of my portfolio in them as I can, <laughs> yeah. you know, as much as as much as the bank allows. Um, underrated guys who I think could make a splash and are not going for what they could be right now. In the NBA, Bones Highland to me is a guy with an astronomical amount of potential. Curry style gameplay, and he loves the three ball. Yeah. And he's got a really good team around him. If he stays in Denver with Jokic, if they can make Jamal Murray work with him somehow, I'm not sure how that will work. 
but if they could, maybe they offload Murray and pick up some pieces to surround him. Yeah. For example, I think he has a lot of potential. And Denver's a big enough market where he'll be relevant should he start popping off. Yeah. Um, so that's my very good buy low candidate because he's relatively inexpensive compared to other players from his class. He's so young. Um, and in football, receivers are just – it's it's a lot of people don't know this, and you, you obviously have experience in the hobby, so you'll yeah. know. Skill positions are not as lucrative as the quarterback. Running back, wide receiver, just not as expensive. Yeah. You don't have as much boom potential. But that being said, I love Jalen Waddle, man. I, I I really do. I'm biased, yeah. but I got a lot of money in Jalen Waddle in terms <laughs> of sports cards. I just think he's going to be a force for years. I think he's so quick, and his his short route slant catches that everyone knocks off yeah. are just such a sustainable, important part of a football game that every quarterback needs. And I think no matter whether it's two and no matter whether it's anybody – his quickness off the line is just going to make him an asset to any team he's on for years to come. So I think he'll be a fun hold to yeah. see how a receiver who does well, which I think I, I'm fairly positive he will, yeah. um, how that holds value moving forward. Well, that's the one thing uh, with that team. You know, Tua is known for his accuracy. That's that's the one thing. And, you know, he's not really that great at the deep ball. So that short pass, that slant, you know, that's, you know, where he's, he's going to live. That's where he's going to live. And um, I do like that. I, I like that a lot. And especially that, you know, this this past draft class, you know, you're not really seeing that much hype. You know, obviously, because there's really not that many quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett is really the one guy that, you know, everybody's talking about. Because he really, I think out of everybody, he has the chance to start sooner than like Malik Willis or any any of those guys. For sure. Um so I you know, I honestly because of that I I kind of feel like that skill position, you know, the veterans and you know, the one-year vets and I feel like those guys may even see an uptick because people are going to start, you know, buying into them because there's really no quarterback to chase, you know, other than Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, guys like that. So, right. you know, and this past week we really saw none of those hype guys really played that well. So that was the interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I like that Jalen Waddle, that Jalen Waddle pick and I think Thank you. people should really look into him, you know, and then maybe you'll see an uptick in that. And yeah, you know, hopefully man, I'm, tr I'm trying to, I'm trying to push the market, man. Go yeah. buy Jalen Waddle. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know, but, uh, that, um, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. The one guy, and I just said it because we just recorded the podcast uh, prior to this. I just said Sky Moore is my sneaky kind of pick, you know, to to start getting an uptick in, you know, because I, I feel like with Mahomes, that team around him, I, I feel like I don't want to say he's going to be a Tyreek Hill type of wide receiver, but I think but that's he has. The role. Yeah, and I think I think he has that potential to to be that that game changer um, at, like, a slot position. And, you know, I, I feel like not many people are talking about Sky Moore because of, not at all you know, all the other wide receivers that were in that draft class because that was a, a wide receiver-heavy draft class. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's my guy that, I, you know, I was, I was looking into. Okay. So. 
Maybe I'll buy a little Sky Moore slab. <laughs> once that's you know? Yeah, right. Um, but that's really it. Uh, you want to plug uh, your your Instagram and uh, you know whatnot sure. and what? Sure. Uh, my Instagram is at Triz the Ripper. Uh, I am the founder of the Positive Palace, along with all the guys that are in there with me every day, you included. Um, we I rip on Backyard Rips is the account. It's from the app Whatnot. And I rip almost every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday night. Schedule may vary. And other than that, I'm in the daytime sometime. But come check me out. Come get into a break. Come watch and learn about the hobby. I talk about stuff like this all the time. So feel free to come in there and learn, too. Nice. Now, quickly. Sure. Where did Triz come from? Oh, man. So (laughs) this is sort of embarrassing. Uh, My friend group from back home in high school. I had a group chat group chat name was family trees. Maybe you could insinuate where that comes from. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) clarify group chat name is family trees. Uh, and you know how it is in high school, bro. You're all so young. Everybody has like stupid sayings and stupid jokes when you're in high school, whatever stupid things catch fire. And saying is at the end of everything just caught on fire like instead of pass me like the remote like pass me the riz it's so uh, dumb okay but it caught on yeah so family trees became famatriz one word okay and then as a joke we all changed our instagram names to like triz something okay so someone was like triz ben and i was like triz the kid okay and it stuck around and I got back up to college because it was in college when we changed our names is the joke. All my boys were like, no, Triz, Triz, Triz. They thought it was so funny. <laughs> so it just stuck with me and I can't leave it now. So here we are. Nice, nice. Well, that is Triz the Ripper. Uh, I was very excited to get him on the pod. Uh, and hopefully it's not his last time on. Uh, but thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun. But that will do it. I'm Jerry. I'm Kevin. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.